totally independent music festival. Do the right thing and buy your tickets in advance. For the love of God. Now, enjoy this podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Snug Presents Elu Le Gras. My name is Richard Loftus. And I'm Lavin. Uh, in this series, we will uh, delve deeper into the Music and Arts Festival Elu Le Gras as it goes into its third year. Today, we are joined by uh, Tara Clark, producer, and Owen Finn, uh, curator of the Light Lab. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tara, we'll start with you. You were kind of driving all over the countryside last night. Yeah, well, this is, if you're a festival producer, you have um, a massive grow for festivals. And so you have to make sure that you keep on top of them and go to them all. And, you know, yeah. it's quality control and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was at Ishnok last night or yesterday and I brought... Where is that? It's up on the hill of Ishnok, so okay, it's in yeah. Westmeath, maybe okay. 45 minutes from Atlone, roughly. Okay, brilliant. Um, so I've been going to Ishnok for a long time, probably around 17 years Oh wow. on and off, you know. Uh, I started going with my daughter when she was very young, and now I'm going with my second daughter, who is seven. So we went and just did the day. Usually I would stay up there overnight in the camper van. But I had other kids with me, so they ha- had to get them all home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. And it's it's gone from strength to strength. It's under new management. And as with all festivals, when it changes management, everybody is very speculative as to how oh, that yeah. will go. And nobody likes to see change and adversity. Um, but they are doing a good job. It's it's well well controlled and I'm seeing a few old faces that I know from the fields um, like Frank McDade and a few others that would be the kind of um, production managers for Electric Picnic and all that so to see those old faces that are well used to running big crowds in the crowd and running this you know it's in good hands you know uh, except for the parking that was why (laughs) I, I, I got in there last night or I got in there yesterday at I think about half three and they were, you know, it was very controlled parking, uh, you know, traffic controllers and all that. But they were trying to put everyone into lines. And I was like, sorry, lads, I have to leave here at 10 o'clock tonight. I'm not going to park there because I could see yeah, yeah, it was yeah. uh, already it's people getting stuck, yeah. people getting stuck in the muck, you know. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to park over on the edge of the hill there. So they let me off anyway. And then lo and behold, when I was leaving at half 11 last night, there was about 10 tractors just told like there was gridlock every oh car was stuck in the mud what they were like pulling cars out oh yeah yeah i'd say that i think oh. i have friends that told me that they didn't get out until four o'clock in the morning i was Jeez. like oh. was it wet up there the, well, it's ireland it's, like, you know. it's, well, it's ireland number one <laughs> but the thing of it is is that it was dry and this is the worst thing so if you're running a field festival take note uh so if it has been dry for an extended period and then there's a downpour that's actually worse than if it had been raining the whole time because it creates floods and so it had been really dry for i think 10 days or something like that and then there was a big downpour for the the night before was it and in westport anyway we had a big downpour the day before so what happens in the east and the west is very is varied but uh yeah so basically there was just massive um puddles and like yeah. all the la- land was wet surface wet so same thing in Canberra here driving around it was like oh I couldn't fucking God, believe it, was, it. actually it was, you remember that yeah 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 
There's so just massive puddles everywhere going through them. That creates crazy. Like in field festivals from years of, of being part of running field festivals, um, when the weather's been really bad, then you know it's been bad. So then you pre-plant. So you bring in wood chip and you, you put down the right kind of um, grit to for the cars to come in and out. But when it's just been a flash flood like that, there was nothing. They, they weren't prepared. Yeah. And that like everything else was smooth as far as I could see. I mean, you know what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a swan. You can see from the everything looks smooth and everyone's paddling like crazy underneath. Yeah. But it did seem smooth. But the traffic, the car park was a complete mess. So just... To, you have to be prepared now then they had tractors ready to pull yeah, them out true, so yeah. there you go they were prepared you know every time you go to a festival do you have your producer's hat on in some some way it's, is it always- yeah it's kind of like a, it's a curse <laughs> uh you do kind of because i've been in the game for so long now and part of doing so many different aspects of running a festival that you do you know like that arriving in with the car full of kids mm-hmm. and you're like already kind of you know you're not you're just a punter you're there to enjoy it <laughs> yeah. but straight away you're like but I'm not parking there lads yeah, because that's going to be <laughs> you know so, so it is good in some ways but yeah you can you are always watching to see how how is the crowd controlled um, health and safety where is toilets like all those kind of things and that's just the boring head of a producer yeah, yeah. So there you go so um your degree is in anthropology and English. Yeah. And maybe it's a big jump. Maybe it's not to be a producer of a festival. So how did you go from that to the uh, kind of the role that you're in now? Um, well, it's a long time ago since I did that degree. <laughs> we nearly uh, ended up on the same course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah mad. That, that's that how time. we're friends on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That course I wish I'd always done. And I asked her, it was, she, I was like, you did anthropology, my notes. It's like that fork in the road like 20 years ago that I never took. Yeah. But, uh, and I took that exact fork 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it swings and roundabouts with anthropology, you know, like it's the study of human civilizations and how we interact with each other. So there you go. Yeah. Running festivals. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think when I did it many moons ago, I start, I went to Maynooth to study classical music. And then I just fell upon anthropology because, you know, living in a small town in the west coast of Ireland, I genuinely didn't know what anthropology was yeah. or that you could make a career out of it because, you know, we thought nurses, guards, you know, the usual yes. careers. Um, so when I did the arts degree and specifically was going to study classical music and then you had to pick two other subjects, okay. anthropology blew my mind. And yeah. I ended up, you know, just sticking with that one, really. Um, so I did really well, got a first class honours, just absolutely loved, loved it. And it was offered a PhD over in Leiden in, um, in Holland, but it just didn't suit me with, I had a small child at the time in college with me and it just didn't suit me to, mm-hmm. to take that big a leap yeah. of faith to move to a different country. So I kind of parked it, but with the skills that I honed from, you know, studying it in college, and then just, I think that, you know, natural sort of networking ability and, and want to do that. Like mm-hmm. I've been going to festivals since I was 14 years old, 15 yeah. years old and working at and with festivals since I was 18 or 19 years old. So they kind of, the two worlds combined. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like I, I would like to think that um, my skills in anthropology have kind of brought me to where I am today. Yeah. And you're from what, Westport? Is Westport, it? yeah. Um, do you know Vinnie Kelly? Vinny. Vincent Kelly. Yes, Vincent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I do know him well. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Vinny County. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sure, everyone from Westport is sound. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Up the coves. <laughs> Great spot. I'm from Castle Barra, so I'll have to disagree oh, with that. Oh, anyway. fish heads. <laughs> um, so... Uh, you say you've involved in like production for festivals and stuff for 10 years plus so uh where did you start off what was your first i know you were working since you were 19 just uh the volunteering you know like that kind of you sign up to help at electric picnic or i think was it electric picnic or body so i think it may have been oxygen a million years ago and you know you're just wanting to go to the festival but not having enough money to pay for the tickets and of course yeah. trying to wangle away in yeah. one way or another and then through you're wangling ways that's where you start networking and you meet people and it starts with volunteering and getting selected and then you know work your way up so it starts with like litter picking and then then you might be put backstage and then you might have to mind a stage and then I was in charge of um, VIPs at Electric Picnic one year so I'd have to keep the green room and look after them and the whole time you're building your relationships with the people in the background so you know and that like at this point in my life, I think I re- I'm actually excited to go to All Together now because it's the one festival I don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. I don't like I I know the production managers and all that, and I know I'll know everyone in a field in the field, but I don't know the layout, and I'm excited to not know it. I'm not even going to look it up. I don't want to know where any of the stages are or anything because at this point, where I know nearly every other festival in Ireland, I'm excited to go to one that. I don't know and Good I can't horse, yeah. I can't break in the back door I, I don't know where the back door is you know <laughs> so but yeah it starts it starts with that and for anyone who's interested in um, getting into production like I loads of people I know went and did event management and things like that you know and I didn't do any of that stuff so I'm a jammy bitch really to have gotten to my where I am in my career um, but a lot of it came from grassroots just starting as a volunteer and making the connections and showing interest and getting to know the people that are running stages and production managers and showing them that you're a worker and that you're you you know you're willing to put in the graft and that's how it starts yeah that's where it goes and um i know tommy that was on here um two weeks ago he was saying that they were working previously um, at Westerville. Yeah. Is that how um, your connection started or you, did you know them beforehand? Or So uh, it feels like I know these boys for a long, long time. It's like talking about soulmates or something, but I don't actually know them that long. Uh, so it happened that they were organizing a pop-up event in Uchtarad. And I don't know, was that like a warm-up to Elu or I don't know what it was. Um, but then through friends of friends, I was actually at a gig in Dublin and I was going to stay up, you know, and stay full sesh mode in Dublin for the weekend. Yeah. But my friends, Laura Robinson, actually, who is hey, like Laura. the queen oh, yeah. networker of Ireland. Our she's lo- real our local, Laura. <laughs> local here. She's yeah. the real queen bee. She, if, she's if hanging you out with her last week. If you don't know Laura fly. Robinson, who are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Laura Robinson is maybe the catalyst. Yeah. Because the lads asked me on that pop-up gig, did I know anyone that this gig would suit? And Laura and like her crew really popped into my head and yeah. I hadn't spoken to her in a couple of years. And I think they were on their way up to another gig or to another event in like Mayo or they, they turned the, the van around and went down to Octorad within like that hour or <laughs> yeah. so. And, and here we are. And that is it. She really is the instigator of all of this um, because I was in Dublin at another gig. I can't even remember what that was. Something big, like bicep or something that kind of level, you know. Yeah. And uh, she was like, come down. This is going to be great. These guys are class. Come on down. Get, get, get your arse down here. <laughs> And uh, I was like, fuck it, okay. So I jumped on the bus and I had I had my camper van 
in Galway because as you will realize I'm never fully fully legal like it's ne- not never fully taxed insured and NCT and all that stuff so I was yeah. like oh you can kind of roam around the west coast of Ireland I hope there's no guards <laughs> listening to this now. Uh, but roam around the west coast of Ireland safely I think that's our biggest safely. demographic is guards <laughs> <laughs> I love this podcast did you mention it yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah I was like I'm not going to take a chance on bringing the, the van up to Dublin because yeah. you know that's dodge so arrived down to Galway um, Eamon Eamon gave yeah. me a lift yeah I know Eamon yeah. and uh, and gave me a lift to my van and then Bob's your uncle I, we went to Uchtarard and sure it was an amazing setup absolutely amazing setup so I was really impressed with the lads at this point and I was producing Westerville and we were middle of Covid so I had been producing Westerville since 2018 and um, we'd had like a, a shift in the team and all that in Covid running festivals during COVID if you can do that you can do anything because you had to diversify all the time like we were you know one minute you you were allowed to have 100 people the next minute you had to have 25 people sitting down they had to be eating then it was just all kinds of mad stuff Um, so when I saw the lads and their setup and their roll in and roll out leave no trace and there really was like myself and Owen actually went out uh, the next was it two days later to pick up I left hammocks and I don't know why you were out there I left um was it car keys? Oh, those keys. little old things. Uh, but we went out anyway, and there you would not have known that there had been anyone there. Like wow. I was so That's impressed, great. so yeah. so impressed. Um, so then I thought like that it would be really cool because I had like when I'm when I was running Westville, I kind of had the keys of Westport, so I had like loads of different venues, empty buildings, all that stuff. Everybody just gave me everything you know and I was like how do we use some of the old abandoned like the old abandoned done stores is a building that has always has was gifted to us um and I thought with the massive space that it was and the restrictions as to where they were at the time that we could do something really cool with the Ailu Legraw lads um so I asked them would they be interested in running a stage and that was kind of the beginning of it and then it was a brilliant idea and we were going to have a stage that was going to be running all weekend and had even cleared it with the guards that we could have like a bar in there and everything which was you know legal Um, and then then COVID 4 I think it was COVID level 4 hit back in and you could only have so many people it just wasn't going to wash its face with the with the amount of people it was all kind of based off if we could have 200 I think it was weddings were allowed 200 at the time and if we could have a capacity of 200 and there was interest to have that yeah then we were all, you know, winning because the lads would, you know, we were all washing our face and more. But when they brought it down to, I think it was 25 or something crazy, it was just going to be money down the drain and it wouldn't have got its proper airing. So, but Tommy, amazing, like absolute legend. Um, So at the same time, I also, like with Westerville, it's a 64 multidisciplinary event. So that was just one stage. So there was loads of other things going on and I was building... A pop-up art gallery and Tommy stayed and helped me um, do do that so it was kind of like a bartering of services he helped me get Westville off the ground in a very tricky year and then the following year then was it the following year or is that September I can't remember the following year then I helped with ALU and that was kind of where where we began yeah yeah, yeah. and Owen just to include you into the conversation <laughs> <laughs> when did um when did your connection with Edu Legras begin then? Um, well, the connection I, I've been at it. I've been at it every year for the past three years. But uh, 
I'd say the connection started with the uh, passion fashion. I might have been mentioned in the last podcast. Um, I just yeah, I know Owen Joyce, who was one of the one of the helpers in that. And um, I was interested in like the balance between um, an event that like had a few different strands to it, like a good night out, but also a conscious event with like um, like public. There was a good public speaker there that day as well. And that's I met Emmett there as well. He was like uh, he's part of the bill crew. And uh, and yeah, that's where it started. Um, and I arrived down on the Saturday um, in Roscommon and uh i went to the the light lab section at the time i went to the yoga at the start and uh then the next event was i think it was like a sound bath thing and then i just hung on for another while i intended just to go up to the gig with my mates but uh, i just kept i stayed there all day there was like this rainbow ceremony with pixie crazy i don't know i don't know how to explain it but um i ended up being there all day and i met like amazing people people that I wouldn't normally um, like uh, hang out with or whatever yeah and um, yeah I was there till maybe dark I was just lit and uh, I went up then to the gig that night and uh, it was just a lovely balance like I I really liked it and then the next year um, you know I had such a good time there that I went to a lot of the workshops again and uh, there seemed to be a little bit of a space where the um, the people doing the workshops the space holders might need a little bit of support um and i just said it to ev that if they needed a bit of a hand this year that i'd i'd have a crack at it and, and here i am curator yeah yeah <laughs> extraordinary wow. spell that spell yeah. that out <laughs> uh, uh, before uh, the first day of Lugra, did you have interesting in in like holistic practices and that kind of stuff beforehand or did, did that start it all off ah uh, yeah like i've always oh not always been that way inclined but um i suppose i was raised in a i was raised in, in key street in galway city and um whereabouts the it's a it's now a coffee work um you were raised in a coffee shop i wasn't raised in a coffee shop i was raised in a hippie shop okay great um <laughs> it was called uh, pearls of wisdom and uh, my mother's name was pearl oh lovely um and uh yeah if you wanted if you wanted to get incense or a rainbow flag or whale music or um yeah books on yeah think big, big thinking big thinkers or doers or consciousness and in any way shape or form pearls of wisdom was the place to go and we lived upstairs so um so yeah that's probably where it started not for me personally but i was always uh surrounded by those kind of people walking in and um but i suppose in my 20s uh i headed off to the states and i was working on a building site and uh, where in the states and block island it's a little island off Rhode island all right yeah i've never been there yeah, not many people have. Uh, they call it the Island of Misfit Toys. It's people who just don't fit in on the mainland head out there. And I that's where I ended up. But um but yeah, I was working on this building site and we're just having beers every evening, like like every evening. Like and uh and I like I'm fond of a pint, but every evening like yeah, you yeah. know. And I just started to get a little bit sad or depressed or I guess I was drinking a bit of a depressant every evening, you know. So uh, I needed to do something. So I, yeah, I, there was a yoga studio around the corner. And uh, yeah, one of the days I jumped in the pickup with the lads. They turned left for the liquor store. And uh, and I went right to a little yoga studio with like 
five or six old ladies and this woman teaching a yoga class and I started to go most evenings and uh, I think that was the start of of me kind of getting into this kind of yeah just um, a little bit more aware of my body and um, my breath and uh, that's I'm 35 now I think it was maybe 23 back then and it's just folded into all these other stuff meditation and different workshops I've kind of leaning towards different stuff like that so uh yeah just kept at it and i'm part of a mindfulness group in galway and i work for a tech company called sap um german software company but um there is an there's a program called search inside yourself it's a mindfulness program in there and i'm qualified as it just qualified as a teacher there so i'll be doing four-day workshops um with people in work okay great um and so yeah it kind of it, it the light lab it, it does uh it uh it's complementive to to kind of some of the interests i have at the moment so happy to hold space for the space holders there yeah. what is the light lab so the light lab is uh, a section it's a little bit like the body and soul of picnic okay uh, back in the day i suppose but uh we're gonna have yoga or yoga in the morning um we're gonna have deep house yoga this year with uh druid fluid uh have a kind of a dj combining with a uh, uh, a yoga teacher but outside of that then we've got like um sound baths uh we've got talks on sensuality and sexuality we've got um what else do we have uh we've got jewelry making workshops um uh, breath work breath workshops uh and outside of the workshops we're going to try and make the space um yeah like uh like uh just a nourishing safe space for people to come back to in the evenings because people you know they're tired they're dehydrated um like you know not everyone's an extrovert you're yeah, found, you're, yeah, you're surrounded true. by hundreds of people having a place to come back to that's just provides a little bit of respite um that's what we're hoping to do um, we're going to have installations we're going to have like a projector in the evening with some uh some youtubes of or some videos of some big thinkers of big doers in different areas where you can just kick back and and lose yourself in that for a while and then hopefully that'll spring you back out into into Elu and that kind of positive energy will filter into the rest of the gig so that's the intention of it this year and I suppose my role is to hopefully make sure that that kind of flows as best as possible for the people holding the space yeah um so yeah first you're at it we'll have a crack and see how we get on yeah yeah ten, what's your good hands I have no doubt <laughs> Just looking at the lineup from last year, and like you had like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight kind of eight facilitators, you know, doing different workshops and stuff like that. Um, it, it, will it be the same kind of number again? Roughly, yeah. Um, yeah, roughly around that kind of. We're hoping two, two on the Friday, three or four on the Saturday, and three or four on the. Uh, oh, we've uh, laughter yoga as well. Sarah laughs loads a little mm. pitch there um so yeah ar- roughly around that every day um so we need to create space for the facilitators to get set up um so as they like because sometimes it can be a little bit rushed so um there's yeah around that as well yeah around that yeah what's good just one um sarah richardson that you had last year um what's a cacao ceremony because like I've heard this cacao word a lot, so if I'm not pronouncing it wrong, all right, I apologize. But no, it's it's a I don't smell a new craze. It's age old craze. It's gone around for for years, but it's really been brought back 
at the moment so it's like um like cacao is the it's the dark chocolate of the yeah and they they basically um yeah they, they basically create a ceremony out of it and um a dark chocolate ceremony yeah in like in a, yeah a lot of people like it it's uh they get it they get get in a milk a, tray kind a of high thing. buzz from it or they get sort of a kick from it um, oh you we get were, a we buzz off it, it. Apparently, oh, yeah. Class. Okay. Yeah. Have you not had it? I've haven't had a ceremony. I haven't okay. engaged in the ceremony, but I have had it before. Um, Jeez, but, imagine getting a buzz off chocolate. That'd be grand. It, it, I've I've had a, I've done a few cacao ceremonies, and yeah, it's nice. It's kind of it's like mindfulness. Um, so it's effectively hot chocolate. I'm sorry, to say, but it is. It is, and it's it's. Uh, but it's from the Amazon, and it's it's very tasty, and it's dark and they put like different kind of sweeteners into it um which would be um like beneficial to your health and stuff we're not talking sugar and stuff it's it's really nice stuff um but then it's about mindfulness and nearly sensuality as well because in the ceremony you're given the cup and it's about smelling it and it's about engaging your five senses as well you know so it's like the feel of it um it's quite velvety and smooth and then holding it in your mouth as well and then letting that kind of wash over your senses you know of course, yeah. um so you're it's a guided meditation with the cacao and it is lovely i have to say and like apart you know you can drink cacao as you would drink any drink you know yourself um, but doing it in ceremony or drinking it in ceremony is is lovely the way that you know and you can kind of it does it makes you a little bit giggly and mm. and, and and i don't know is that the cacao or is it a placebo or well, is it just that you're there together and you're embracing this kind of sensual experience of enjoying this drink together and I, I you know it definitely has more spiritual resonance than that but I'm not going to pretend that I know that so mm-hmm. there you go yeah thanks Tara yeah like like I suppose um, when when people create a ceremony about anything we get to look at the deeper meaning for it and then we've more appreciation for it yeah um, and I think cacao like embodies that um, I went to a tangerine meditation workshop once where they had us peel a tangerine and like take the segments off. They were like, you know, like picture this tangerine. Where did it come from? The universe is like cap, like put it in this lovely little case that we can peel and it's all segmented. We can put it into your mouth and put it into your mouth and bite. And, you, and like this little burst of like tangerine. Which everyone was like, wow, <laughs> this wow. is amazing. <laughs> Should do like so, a book uh, fest ceremony. <laughs> plenty of them. We do plenty of them. Picture where it comes from. <laughs> now we'll take the lid off. <laughs> that's our that's our religion. <laughs> what number is it? <laughs> Remember the brown bottle. <laughs> Can you not get the brown bottle? It's no, all it, green now. It's all green. It's all green, it? baby. Yeah? Scottish takeover. When did that happen? It fucking over COVID, I think. No, yeah. that, I don't believe you. All they, all they find now is green bottles. It's I crazy. think I've drank brown bottles. Where did they come from? Since COVID this yeah. year. <laughs> Probably brown till it's drank, then it looks green. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, all, all I've seen around here is green bottles. Okay. So don't maybe there's some brown bottles somewhere else in the country. Yeah. Anyway, we'll do that at the ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can cacao you imagine doing it like that, like like the cacao ceremony, and you have to hold it in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A year later, everyone that came to Little Girl had no teeth. <laughs> <laughs> So they kind of, it's a tool to kind of think differently about the space you're in or something like that kind of, is it? Yes. Yeah. We all like uh, Agatha and Martin have a Mar- Martin. Martin, Martin, yeah. Martin. They have a blue lotus tea party as well, 
where they create like uh, I think Blue Lotus Tea was the like it's supposed to be an aphrodisiac of some sort and Cleopatra used to drink it years ago so they do a background story of it they pass it around I think they even smoke some of the tea leaves that's going to be a part of the sound bath they kind of do a combination sound bath tea lotus but like I mean if Annie just handed you a cup of blue lotus like you'd think it like it was I don't know like mm-hmm. fucking rubbish yeah um, but if someone does, it, does a story behind it and builds up the understanding of it you've better appreciation for it so I, mm. I haven't done a cacao ceremony but I've uh, done all those of the blue lotus and everything I do believe it is an aph- aph- I do there, you definitely get some kind of a buzz off that tea mm. definitely and just to say that Sam, I was actually with Agatha and Marcin yesterday up in Ishnook and uh the sound bath that they do with, I'm delighted to hear they're going to do the blue lotus tea with it but he plays the didgeridoo and he wa- he, he walks over you so he plays the didgeridoo um, over you so you get a wash with the sound of the didgeridoo and yeah. it is just amazing it's like I mean sound baths are amazing anyway with the gongs and the different um, percussion instruments and you know like different tinkly sounds and stuff but when he actually plays the didgeridoo over you and you'd have your eyes closed, but you can feel it come through your force, your force, force fear. Is that right? I don't know what the word is. I like it. I'm going to go with it. (laughs) (laughs) It is now. (laughs) Uh, But it's really, really cool. So um, anyone that is going to Elie Le Gros, you definitely make sure that you sign up. And I would say, because I was kind of um, helping curate the Light Lab last year and just to, you know, have have a look at the lineup and have a look at the workshops and think about what you want to do and sign up for them in advance because there is a capacity on these things and um like this next week now I'm going to produce Manifestival up in uh Belurgan Park and again with any Where's of these Park? it's in Dundalk. Dundalk but with the workshops often there can just be a surge of people and it's easier for the organizers and the curators and the producers and all that stuff to have an estimation of how many people are going to be going to these workshops because it's not enjoyable if a hundred people are packed into a room that has a capacity of 30. So if you sign up in advance or make it known in whatever way that you want to do this, then they can, you know, organize second and third. Facilitate it. We can facilitate it, you know. And that manifesto, it's kind of like, it's an alcohol-free festival. Is that correct? Yeah. So there's a load of cacao going around there. Loads. Yeah. Flat out on the cacao. (laughs) (laughs) What festival? It's called Manifesto. Manifesto. An alcohol-free festival. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it works. Nice. That's it great. really works. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. That's wonderful. So, um, just go back to you, you Tara, for a sec. Um, what are the different challenges uh, producing something like Elu Le Gras compared to Westerville? Because that's yeah. Um, so I kind of have started like I've I've broken them down in my head to field festivals. So Elu Le Gras is a field festival, and then Westerville is uh, it's it's in locations around the town and stuff. So. When you're dealing with venues and businesses in town, you have to be very politically strategic as to how mm-hmm. you go about because they, the number one is that the business is looked after and how it benefits them. So it's all about how you can get them to come on board with you and to even pay certain, you know, like you can do 80-20 splits and things like that when you're programming with them. But um it's all about making sure that they are felt that their business is looked after as number one. And it's that when then they kind of take, then you've got stage managers. So when it's in different locations and venues around a town, 
those business owners will look after that themselves as long as they feel supported by you. So they will look after capacity. They look after tickets. They look after security, all that kind of stuff. And then you're just kind of like micromanaging all these different people. That's the way it is. But Elu Le Gras then is, and any field festival is a different beast because you are bringing large quantities of people into a field and it's more so like the only thing that you'd have the concern about um capacities is the likes of the workshops and stuff and that is really it makes for a smoother experience for everyone if you can keep an eye on those capacities and have it pre-programmed in advance um but then apart from that it's about crowd control it's your main thing so that nobody is ever feeling um, like that it doesn't get dangerous you know yeah, obviously yeah, course, yeah. Um, toilet facilities security um, parking really really is boring and all as it is it's a big one um, and then just that things run smoothly like the guys do a really good job of uh, and they they're one of their main ethos is, is that there's leave no trace so it's like that there's actually teams and volunteers and people put in place to make sure that it's lead by example. Like when you have large crowds of people, it's like having a big bunch of sheep, really, yes, you know? Yeah. And it's like, if, if it is, it is, okay? Gotta get the Sorry, lads. Few <laughs> uh, black sheep. <laughs> but uh, if if there's a good quantity of those people, um, you know, leading the way as to here is the recycling areas and this is the way to go. And, you know, instead of all surging into that one entrance, why don't we just take a step back and stuff? If it's all, it's very simple. It's very, very simple. Yeah. But it's just about having people in place to do that. And that's why it's really good to have volunteers and kind of have had kind of pre-production meetings and um, talks. And just like given the the people that you've hired or that have come on board voluntarily to be those leaders of example, uh, that they know what they're doing and that they know the flow and that you've discussed how it's going to go. And then off you go, do you know? So it's different in that way. Yeah. Um, and then see um, the work you do with Bunsoft Productions and um, the Production Corporation. The would Performance it, Corporation, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> uh, what you call, would any of those people that you're involved in with that, would that overlap in a, kind of the field festival? Um? Madly enough, no, not really. Like the f- my festival production experience has been paramount in that world because it's just so different like once off productions I produced the Irish Times Theatre Awards for them last year and genuinely didn't have not have not really crossed paths with anyone in that world of sim, you know that would be the same as me you know yeah um but it's great and it's great so I'm basically meeting a whole new network of people um which is really brilliant for just seeing it's a different dynamic um it's very like theatre production generally is more structured and again you're inside a venue but what I love and the work that I do with Performance Corporation is site specific so that actually does kind of bring you back into field ethics effectively yeah. like I ran a opera down in Belmullet last September That's September the Disappearing Islands Disappearing thing. Islands yeah and uh, yeah. so it was based around a tidal pool and so we're bringing like really amazing uh, performers like opera singers kind of top of the game um, dancers international dancers sound and um, sound engineers sound designers people that are usually used to being in a theater or in a in a big space like that and putting them out on the absolute arse end of the west coast of ireland 
and having to get in and out of the sea and all that stuff. So you've got all those kind of dynamics. What time of, of year did you do that? September. Oh, yeah. The poor feckers. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there's like it's kind of having that. Um, you have to think outside the box, and you have to be prepared to think outside the box when you're dealing with professionals from that you know from that world that just would not be used to that. And so I had to kind of comedy or a lifeguard hut and turn it into a green room and you know you think about like all the little things that are going to make people happy and content when they're freezing their asses off having to get in and out of freezing cold water again and again to get the take right and all that kind of stuff um so it my experience in festivals has been paramount as i said in that world and i guess from the other way around it's a whole new world of networking, a whole new world of connections. And with Once Off, Once Off actually lent us some pretty amazing projectors last year. So they have um, access and ownership of amazing technology that we wouldn't necessarily have in the grassroots festival world. So it's it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty brilliant. good knowing them. <laughs> What's good? So it's um it's great then that Ada Legrand, the lads behind it, have made such a good impression on you and then the people that you're working with because obviously they're doing things in the right way. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I would be very. I'm constantly raving about them to all the like all the other kind of worlds of the arts that I work in. I mean, I'd have a lot of dealing like everything. The Arts Council is kind of the main funders of Ireland for at work with the arts and all that yeah. stuff so it's all about um grant applications and all that kind of stuff and would they would they sponsor a podcast at all do you think could, well there's no only one way to find out true, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I wouldn't be surprised they like they're all diversifying all the time they really are um so they're supporting more and more and like if you go to your local arts council like I've a great relationship with the Mayo Arts Office um so it's always like even with dealing with the guys um like I wouldn't know the Galway Arts Office as well, but I would definitely implore them to get to know them and get to know who. And it's that thing of, you know, it's like the best way to get to know people is to help out with other things. And that's where I think that Elu Legraw lads are pretty good, you know, like they're always kind of supporting other um, endeavours that are going on around Galway. And that's where you build up your network because it's not just like here, help me give me yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. you know you you give back yeah. and then people feel that well look they really helped me out of a bind which is what happened with Westville and mm. then you want to help them out and and you build these relationships through that getting things off the ground you know yeah <clears throat> and it must have had the same kind of impact on you Owen that you wanted to get involved that you, the lads were doing things at the right 100% yeah um, like how many people this year is there like 80 co-creators 90, pe- 90 people going out of like a three, three, 400 person festival so one in every four or three per person you meet has had some impact on the festival it might be a builder an artist a workshop facilitator um, and uh, and yeah you just see it growing like it's like a it's like a it's like a fungi Um, but uh yeah like and it's it's growing and like i mean athlete's foot (laughs) (laughs) might be a dose of it after if yeah if you talk to them the week of the build then it is an athlete's foot (laughs) (laughs) but uh but even evan's brother like he's uh he's gonna sell out gig tomorrow uh funk house in the roisin like there, there was three or four young lads who went to the first gig and they started DJing since then, mm. and now they're you know they're creating their own 
um, their own thing and uh, yeah Yolag obviously uh, is a is another uh, spin-off not spin-off but just a creation from the people who met and collaborated and have just formed into something like amazing so yeah I'd love to be a part of it like it's it's great to be able to offer I was looked at a, I, I looked at the kind of I looked where I could support something last year I didn't think I could I just like having a buzz to be honest yeah and uh, and uh, and uh, it was great to be able to to help out this year well so well, it hasn't happened yet but we'll yeah and like do, do you think your kind of um, business background kind of helped in what you can do for Edu Um, I think um, my uh, my the level of the level of pressure I put on myself to get things done in the business world will okay. definitely <laughs> contribute to getting this done uh, in a month's time um, but uh, yeah I, like to be honest I think to be honest I think growing up in a shop where all of these different people coming in and out, uh, I just love people. That's why I wanted to do anthropology, just to study different people and cultures. Yeah. And and um, it's always been like a huge uh, joy for me to be in those situations. Like, uh, um, so yeah, I think it's a nice combination. I think not, it's just nice to be a host and to, to greet people here and make sure they feel safe and that they've got a safe space to come back to uh, each time. So yeah, it's a, it's a real privilege. Yeah. Well, I think that's it, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Um, uh, Edu Le Gras. Can We're having us. Huh? <laughs> We're having us. We're having them, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day, Lavin, all right? Um, watch, guys. So where can ga- ga- people find tickets for Edu Le Gras? They can, they can find them on the website, Edu Le Gras. Uh, dot I. Dot I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can yeah. dub that over. Yeah. Yeah. But I do want to say that Edu Le Gras is a community and that's like as Owen was saying there it's like a springboard for you know if you have any interest in just kind of being part of a really cool community or you've got an interest in sort of you have something to give or you have something to show or you want to be part of a family that you know that's what it is it's not like your electric picnic where the show was put on for you and you're just a punter you're like it really is that you come you come along and you get involved and you can't but help get involved whether yeah. you're sitting around a fire talking to absolutely the, the people that it attracts like I'm just constantly amazed and like that the group every year the family grows and and the relationship is maintained like the WhatsApp yeah. group is constantly active I like I work all over Ireland and I meet people and go out of my way to meet people I met at Ailey Le for coffees and pints and stuff because you're they're just fascinating so what a cool community to be part of. And um, yeah, come and join the crack. Great. Well said. Well yeah, said. absolutely. Okay, guys. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Um, thanks for listening in. Uh, get your asses out there and buy some tickets for Edu Le Gras. Um, talk to you soon. Slow yeah. and fall.